Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I am the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. I'm thrilled that you're here today. I don't know about you, but I'm in this mood, so I just thought I would share it with you this morning. Like, is is anybody ready for Christmas? Because I'm ready for Christmas. And like what I mean, I'm ready for some cool, I'm ready to put up the tree. And I I don't know if you're feeling that this morning, but I'm feeling that this morning. If there's anybody with me, we're just kind of connected in that way. I'm excited about it. This has nothing to do with the message the content today, but I just wanted to share my thoughts on the approaching holidays. Thank you so much. We are here talking about the idea in the series, and we're about to wrap up this series in the next, uh, this week and the next week. We've been talking about the idea of some things that are true conversely as we look at some other things that we know to be real. And so let's take a look at these truths for a second, because we've been talking about all of these things over here, specifically that we know and could acknowledge and agree on that are true, right? That trust leads to stronger faith. Yes, you can know God. Yes, you can become a Christian in a moment. Yes, God has an ideal. Like all these things that we are going to talk about, and we have talked about, by the way, if you want to catch up, you can do so on our archive online. All these things that we've talked about and we've kind of agreed, yes, all of these things are true. But but the problem is, and, and why we're having this series is because along with the things that are true, there are a lot of things on this side of the equation that are real. And what do we do there in the middle? And we've sat back and been a part of local churches for a while. And what we've understood and that we've kind of thought is that related to these things, the local church does really a good job at kind of presenting the truth, right? But but, but there becomes a problem when we look at the things that are real. So the problem is, is yes, we can present this, but how do we handle the truth? The problem is how the local church has handled the truth. Meaning, what do we do with the truth when we're presented with the reality? Because when we look at the truth and then we are conversely presented with the reality, something comes in and it's kind of in the middle of these two things and that's tension. And so many times the local church is scared of tension and at Downtown Harbor Church, we're not. We lean into the tension, we embrace the tension. We just believe that tension does something. The tension doesn't make truth less true. We just believe it makes true more, or it makes truth more real. Tension doesn't make truth less true. We just believe it makes it more real. And I just believe that those of you who are in this room today, those of you who are watching online, by the way, thanks for joining us online if you're with us today. I just believe that this message is so, so important. I believe this message is going to allow us to think about our faith in a different way, understanding our faith. Those of us who have already crossed that line of faith. Those of us who haven't yet, maybe today is your day. Maybe you've been really wrestling around with this for some time and today's your day. And we're going to talk about all those things and what it means today. And even when I say that there's some tension in the room, the tension kind of rises to the surface. Tension is a good thing. We embrace the tension here at Downtown Harbor Church. So here's what I want to talk about today. And I think it's really important for us to focus on this word first. And here it is. We just believe and we can say yes to this, that the Christian faith is simple. We just believe that the Christian faith is simple. We believe that when we step back and we take a look at this and we actually have a conversation about, hey, at the core of what it is, really, if you boil it down, what is the Christian faith? We just believe that the Christian faith is simple. We say it like this around here. Yes, the Christian faith is simple. 
Yes, the Christian faith is simple. And I just believe peppered throughout scripture, peppered throughout history, the scripture confirms the simplicity of the Christian faith. And I wanna talk to you for a second about why I believe the Christian faith is so simple. In the book of John chapter three, verse 16, you have probably heard this verse if you've had any affiliation with church throughout your life. Here's what it says, right? The book of John chapter three, it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, this is where the simplicity comes in, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Meaning, this is that simple. Believe in your heart, mind, life, however you want to describe it, that Jesus is the son of God, the risen Messiah, and you are made right with God. Therefore, you will have eternal life. More on that later. But here's what I also want you to know. Throughout the Bible, Jesus confirms the simplicity of the Christian faith. Jesus actually talks about the simplicity of the Christian faith over and over and over again. And what I love so much about what Jesus always presents about the simplicity of the Christian faith is that the disciples, his closest followers, those who followed him around and kind of learned from him and followed after him and came to believe that he was the Messiah after he rose again, his disciples related to this idea of simplicity in the Christian faith were always very confused by it. It's almost like they would consistently step back and evaluate it and look at it and go, Jesus, I don't understand how it could be this simple. Can it really be this simple? Can it really be this simple? Just pray the prayer, just have the moment, just believe in your heart and and, and I'm made right with God. Can it really be this simple? Well, in the book of John, chapter 14, verses five through seven, Jesus consistently reminds people, his disciples, and those of us thousands of years later, of how simple this can be. John chapter 14 says this, verses five through seven. Thomas, one of his disciples, been around church for any length of time, you may remember him as Doubting Thomas. That's this guy. He's always asking questions, always trying to figure it out. He would definitely fall into week one that trust leads to stronger faith and doubt leads to stronger faith, absolutely. But Thomas said to him, saying to Jesus, Lord, We do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus confirms this when he answers back, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He goes on, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him by seeing me. You do know who he is. You do know who God the Father is if you have faith in Jesus. I just believe that Jesus came to the earth to show us who God is. Jesus came to the earth to show us who God is, to walk this planet, to reveal to humanity who God the Father is. Jesus came to earth to show us who God is and prove that he was God. Boom, plain and simple. It really is that simple. All you have to do to be made right with God, to execute the very simple idea of the Christian faith, is you really just have to do one thing. You have to believe. So you might be sitting in this room, and maybe you've done this many times in your life. Maybe you were a 
kid that grew up in church and people told you you had to pray the prayer over and over again, Jesus come into my heart and life, save my life. Maybe you have been somebody who has just kind of experienced different denominations in Christianity and people kind of do that differently. Okay, Adam, if, if you say, you know, if you, if you believe what you say, then how do you actually do this? Well, there's, there's many ways, right? And I don't believe there's one specific way. I mean, you can pray a prayer. You can pray that prayer. You can have that moment. You can confess that he is Lord. Um, in fact, if you look at the Bible, the scripture, and you look at Jesus when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven after, or just right before he was about to die, right? Or after he was hanging on the cross, the thief on the cross actually said, remember me. And that was good enough. So you can actually have many ways that you do this. But when you actually have the moment where you execute this simple thing, where you stand back and you go, yes, I'm going to believe in my heart, pray in, you know, pray a prayer and ask Jesus into my life, have that moment, whatever it is, in that moment of simplicity, that very simple moment, you are made right with God. In, in a supernatural, miraculous way that we as human beings may not even be meant to understand. We talked about that as we talked about God being a mystery in week two. But if you do that, if you pray that prayer, then you are actually made right with God the Father by believing that Jesus is who he said that he was. So after you do that, you become a Christian. And what happens after that? The Bible promises a lot of things. Um, you, you go to heaven which is exciting, right? That's some place that I want to be at some point in, in, in my life. I'm not asking to get on the first bus there, as many of you are probably not as well, but I'd like to be there at some point, right? It's going to be a nice place, uh, right? I hope my house is very far away from John Garippa's house because I see him a lot here. Just kidding. But, but, but the Bible promises us that, that you go to heaven and, and it promises us you have a different eternity because you have faith in Jesus and Jesus has made you right with God the Father. Now, having a different eternity, what this means, just so you're aware, is up for a lot of debate. There's a lot of scholars and theologians and just people who are learning about bi the Bible and learning about faith that they debate this a lot. This goes back into this God is a mystery component down here. We don't have everything figured out, but we know that Jesus promises us eternity if we believe in him and that he is who he said that he was. Gang, listen to me real quick. It's that simple. It's not complicated. We say it like this. Yes, the Christian faith is simple. In fact, sometimes people say it's too simple. Is it really this simple? Well, that's where the tension comes in that I'm going to talk about next. But many of us grew up in church and we learned about this. And some people have learned about this even, maybe even too much in terms of praying the prayer over and over again. Just pray the prayer. You're good. You're done. Get them in. Have them pray the prayer. Get them in the water. Baptize them. They're done. We're good. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is, is that the Christian faith doesn't stop at a prayer. Yes, you might cross the line of faith, but it's actually where your faith begins. And once you cross that line of faith, I will tell you, your life will never, ever be the same. In fact, things will change in your life for the better, by the way, but in the most difficult way that you could ever imagine. Yes, the Christian faith is simple. And oh my goodness, the Christian faith is so demanding. In fact, it's the most demanding thing that you will ever do in your life. 
wait, Adam, I thought you said the other week that was marriage. That's number two. Christian faith <laughs> is, is the most demanding thing that you, because, it, it, and we'll put this above number one because Christianity gives us instructions in marriage, right? So I mean, like, okay, like, hold on a second. I just thought that you described this to me and laid this out, that this was so simple. Yes, it is. But it's also so demanding. And that's the tension. That's where the tension comes in. That's why we sit back and talk about this and think about this and unpack this and have conversations about the tension with the Christian faith because... Yes, the Christian faith is simple, but the Christian faith is so, so demanding. Well, okay, what do you mean? You just spent the last, you know, 15 minutes telling me how simple it was, pray the prayer, cross the line of faith, have the moment, walk to the front of the room, bing, bang, boom, you're in, okay? But there's a problem. As I said, it doesn't end there, it starts there. And Jesus who we believe to be the risen Messiah, as I've just described to you, in his most famous message that he ever taught, taught about simple issues that became demanding. Jesus, in his most famous message, taught about simple issues that became demanding. See, the problem is with Christianity and where the local church over here has gotten it sometimes so right, but oftentimes wrong is that we talk about the simplicity of the Christian faith. Jesus calls us not only to have faith, but to a different way of life. And that's the difference. That's where the demanding comes in. That's why over and over and over again, we are picking ourselves back up to follow after him. The demanding nature of Christianity is so, so important and so, so key for us to understand. And gang, I, I will tell you this. Many of you sit back and you go, well, why would I do something more demanding? And I'll tell you what my opinion is, because it is the very best way to live life. It is the very, very best way that you could live. So Jesus, in his most famous message that he ever gave, some of you may have heard of it, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, where he actually had this kind of revolutionary conversation, revolutionary speech, if you want to call it that, that changed and transformed history, where he talked about some certain issues. So I, I want to talk about a couple of issues that he talked about that I think prove this point about the demanding nature of Christianity and Christian faith. The first one, but hold on, don't put it up for me yet. Let me just talk about it. The first one is, I think that we could probably all agree in this room, if we sat back and, and kind of evaluated, I think we could all agree on this first thing that I'm gonna put up on the screen, that this is bad, right? That we could probably say, okay, this is something that we should stay away from, this is bad, right? Like murder, okay? So I think murder, like if, if you don't say murder is bad, then I, we might have to, you might have to have a different conversation perhaps with the law. And you know, I mean, so I just think it's important for us to understand that Jesus was talking about an issue that most of us will go, yeah, this is bad, right? Matthew chapter five, if you're following along with us, we are in Matthew chapter five for the remainder of the message. If you have a Bible and want to turn there, if not, as always at Downtown Harbor Church, it will be on our screens. Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 22, it says, you have heard it said that you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders is subject to judgment. Perfect. So I'm in the clear. 
I haven't murdered anybody. I'm not going to murder anybody. I'm not really capable of murdering anybody. Well, I guess I am, but I've never really considered that. At least I hope I've never considered it. If I have, I probably shouldn't work here anymore. However, like I have, I haven't really thought about that, right? Great. I'm, I'm free. Okay, good. Move on. Check the list. Okay. I know that the Christian faith is simple. I have faith in Jesus. I'm not going to murder anybody. Here we go. I'm, I'm done. I'm moving on. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't stop there. And he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Hold, hold the phone here. Are you telling me, Jesus, that you are comparing anger to murder? Because I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who are angry. You're probably one of them. And if I look at my life, I'm probably one of them. And if you even look at the past year, Many of us have been angry. I don't know what it's about per se. You probably have your own set of issues like I have my set of issues, but oh man, I'm angry from time to time. I think it's one of those really important things that we sit back and think about that Jesus just compared anger to murder, demanding. If if you're angry, it's almost as if you have murdered someone wow, I thought this was simple. He goes on, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, an old Jewish tradition, which would be compared to coming to church today. So basically, if you're sitting here today, this would be you back then. And there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. That's what he says. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So basically, let me put this into modern terms for those of us sitting in the room today. Hey, if you're here today and you have a quarrel with someone, if you're angry with someone or they're angry with you, get out and don't come back until you make it right. Wow. Uh, I, I thought this was simple. I, I thought... I'm confused now because I thought that this was a simple faith, a prayer that I prayed, and then I could go on living the way that I've always lived. Jesus said, oh no, this is the most demanding thing that you will ever do in your life. He basically was saying, it's not enough just to have faith. Before you even come back here, go and make it right. Get out of here Get out of this seat and go make it right with your brother and sister, exercising and practicing that commandment I gave you to love your neighbor as yourself. You think it's important that you come here? It's important that you go make it right with them. Then you come back here. Wow. And I sit back and I look at that and I go, okay, loud and clear, boss. I know the way I need to live. Anger can't penetrate this heart at all. And that's hard. And that's demanding because anger penetrates every one of our hearts constantly. Murder, bad idea. Anger, taking it to the next level. Here's something else I think that Jesus talked about that we can agree upon is probably not good and bad. And I want to talk about this, adultery. Like, as I've mentioned before from this stage, I've never met someone participating in this going, this is going really well for me. This is awesome. Like, everybody's happy and thrilled. Like, I mean, my, my, my spouse is thrilled, mistress is thrilled, kids are thrilled, mother-in-law is thrilled. Like, everybody's thrilled. 
Like Thanksgiving's going to be amazing, right? Like remember when we were talking about Christmas? Like man, it's going to be uh, what a great one we're going to have this year. Put the tree up. Get the tinsel. Like nobody said that. Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 30, Jesus talked about this. Here's what he said. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Wow, okay, you know what? Great, I can say that this is like something that like I'm not interested in doing in my life. And I'm going, okay, I'm good. I, I, I've realized I'm not gonna cheat on my wife. I don't know if you've met my wife, but if that ever happened, I would, I mean, it, I, I'd be in the streets. Like, I mean, and I'm not mean living in the streets, like cut up in a whole bunch of pieces in the streets, right? <laughs> So I'm not interested in doing this. And I'm not, it's just not something I want to do. And so I'm going, Jesus, I'm good. I'm not interested in doing this. Good. I'll check that one off the list. Just like murder. Not going to murder anybody. No adultery. Man, I'm feeling good today. And then Jesus goes, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, um... And I, I just want to be clear about something and, and just ask a question. Uh, have you driven down A1A recently? And like, this is, not, this is not the easiest thing, right? When you go, hold on a second, and I'm driving, right? And you see your head like, you know, go around to the right and you catch a glimpse of very little clothing, by the way, if you've been down there at all. And I'm going, oh man. Like, this is not good. And Jesus goes, oh, you do that? You've already committed adultery in your heart. But Jesus, I didn't, I don't care. But I, I, I didn't go over to the beach and, and, and make a move. I just, I just noticed, right? Don't care. But she didn't have, like, there was no clothing on, Jesus. Don't care. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. <sighs> but I live in South Florida. Like, like it's, it's hot here. You, like, this, Jesus goes, you, you, I know you're not committing adultery. But if you do that in your own heart, you have already committed it. You thought it was hard before just to say the prayer and have that moment? Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, you know, now that I'm going to have to go home and take a steak knife to my eye, like, just kidding. Like, I, I told the story for a service that didn't really work. I was like, so I came home this one day and like, I actually like told Caitlin I was going for a steak knife to carve out my left eye and she asked why. And, and they, people were like, oh my gosh, really? I was like, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> but that's what he tells you to do, right? It's so demanding. What it, and then lastly, I, I want to talk about money. And, and by the way, we don't talk about money a lot here at Downtown Harbor Church. It's not something that it is generally something we talk about, but we talk about it enough. And, and, and we just believe related to the simple side of this is the Bible's pretty clear, right? Give and get out of debt. Make sure you do it. Give and get out of debt. Because if you are in debt, then you are slave to the lender. Bible's pretty clear about that. Uses a very blunt word to describe it. And I just feel like it's so important for us to go, okay. We can even do that. We can check the box. I can get out of debt. That's easy. Easier for some than others. And I can go 
and I can give. I can do that, right? Not, okay, I, I'm good. I got the murder, adultery, giving, all the things. But Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew chapter 19. And, and I just love this tension that exists here. And, and, and there's a lot of scripture in the next couple of slides. So try to stay with me because I think it's really important. So Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And, and I believe that Jesus loves these moments. And you know, I believe that Jesus loved these moments because he just destroyed these people throughout the entire Bible with his response. And he just like, like an old buddy who already knows the answer to the question that you're asking at a happy hour, he just played with somebody, right? He just did this with these people and I loved it. And he goes on, he goes, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. He was reaching directly into the time in which this person would have lived and basically said, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. To which the man replied, okay, that's great. Which ones? Which ones do I need to uh, keep to inherit eternal life? And, and then Jesus kind of, I just imagine him sitting back and smiling at this moment going, this guy, everybody's asking me the same thing about this eternal life. And Jesus replied, you, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. We just talked about some of those. He goes on, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, and maybe even most importantly, love your neighbor as yourself. I obeyed all those commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? And this is where Jesus absolutely flipped the script on life as we know it. And he flipped the script on humanity as he always did. Making Christianity, following after him, the most demanding thing that anybody could ever, ever do in their life. Jesus told him, you wanna be perfect? I won't be perfect. Go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have your treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. And after he left, the disciples, Jesus' followers, were still there. And Jesus turned to them. Because I imagine they were watching this interaction happen, where Jesus just told everyone, you really want to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Go sell everything you have to the poor. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. What's a rich person? It's not defined. But he says, I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, not a cigarette, by the way, a camel to go through the eye of a needle for than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Camel. You ever seen a camel? You don't think a camel's fitting through the eye of a needle. You know what he's saying here when he says this? It's impossible. But the disciples kind of stood back as I would be standing back and saying, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? What are you talking about? I thought, you, like, I thought you said this was simple. What in the world are you saying? They stood back astounded. 
And then they said, then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently next. I love this. And said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. I just imagine people just hearing this and just pulling their hair out, going, what in the world is this guy talking about? But there's a problem with this because he sounds nuts. But then he went and died and rose again, proving that he was God. So he really wasn't that nuts. In fact, what he said was the most true things that we could ever hear in life. They must have been sitting back going, what else do I have to do? All they're looking for is a system. And Jesus sat back and simplified it, saying, believe in me. But once you do, once you cross that line, it's going to be the most demanding life that you've ever experienced, knowing that we would just want a simple system. And he said, it's not simple at all. The Christian faith is a never-ending circle of self-sacrifice asking us to do something demanding over and over again and us screwing up and not being able to do it, trying to make it right with God, going back to the beginning, doing it again, striving for that thing that Jesus taught us to strive for over and over again. Christianity is a never-ending circle of self-sacrifice. We ask ourselves to do it again and again and again, and it never stops. It never dies. And gang, that's the point. It is a constant journey of laying your life down for other people and not putting yourself first. If you have a Christian experience in any way that where yourself is first, you are missing the entire message of Christianity. Christianity is a lay your life down for someone else kind of a faith. And at the beginning of it, it's simple. Faith in Jesus is easy. Oh boy, faith in Jesus is easy. Pray the prayer. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, and you should do that. I'm telling you to do it. I'm gonna talk about it at the end. You should do it. What comes after is the demanding part. What comes after is the demanding part. So if you're like me, you might be sitting back going, okay, I can pray that prayer, but how in the world am I gonna do some of this? How in the world am I going to follow what he says over and over again? How do I do that? What does that mean? Well, when you pray that simple prayer, something happens. And you may have heard this, you've been around church before, but maybe you haven't. See, when you pray that prayer, something miraculous happens in your life. When you have that moment, when you choose to believe, something miraculous happens in your life. And the Bible tells us, the scripture tells us, that when you pray that prayer, that the Holy Spirit enters your life. The Holy Spirit is God in a different form. I don't even really know how to describe it other than just the way that I did. But what it does is it comes into your life and basically never leaves and allows you in a different way to execute and live the demanding that Jesus calls us to live. And here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. Once you cross that line of faith and you actually have faith in Jesus and he's calling us to a more demanding way, 
we talk about murder and we talk about anger, you want to know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit convicts, meaning it's not going to let you come into this room and not feel something about someone you're anger, angry with or someone who's angry with you. When you uh, talk about adultery and talking about, let's just use that example of driving down the beach. The Holy Spirit's not going to let you turn your head without feeling something going, I know I probably shouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit will never, ever let you off the hook. You will never, after you cross the line of faith, live the same life again. The Holy Spirit makes it impossible, and it makes it possible to live this new demanding way. The Holy Spirit will constantly remind you of a new way of life. The Holy Spirit, over and over again, in and out, left and right, up and down, will never allow you to go back to the old way. Yes, the Christian faith is simple. Yes, it is. But yes, it is so, so demanding. And it's so demanding. And the only way we can do it and achieve it and even strive for any type of movement in that direction is because after Jesus ascended into heaven, sometime later, the Holy Spirit came to earth to join his followers. And it is something that will transform us from the inside out. The last thing I'll tell you is this, because if you're like me and you're sitting back here in this message, you're kind of going, um, Adam, I don't know that I'm interested in this. This is almost too demanding. I mean, I have things to do. I have a life. You're asking me to have faith in Jesus and then I'm going to have to do all this demanding stuff. I don't know. I'll tell you this. We have a choice of how we live life in certain ways. I will tell you the demanding nature of Christianity, at least in my experience, if you get it right, is the very, very, very best life that you could ever live. We have joy. We have a a, a different spirit amongst us. We have faith that our eternity is taken care of. We should be out there loving our neighbor as ourself, making things right, honoring our spouse, giving what we have in our possessions away to others. What could be better than that kind of life? Nothing that I know of. Yes, the Christian faith is simple. Oh, and oh boy, the Christian faith is so demanding. So what's the practical? Every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put this word on the screen and we ask ourselves, what's the practical? Well, I just want you to know that there are some people in this room who have yet to do the simple. You have, for whatever reason, never crossed the line of faith. And so I just believe the practical today for you to start out this journey with us here at Downtown Harbor Church is just to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Some of you in this room have been waiting to say yes to Jesus for way too long. You have this little thing on your shoulder where it's like, hey, I I know that I should do this. I've heard it so often in my life. I've heard people say it's changed their life, but I'm not ready. Maybe I grew up with a different religion. Heck, maybe you don't even practice that religion anymore, but you're like, I can't betray my past. Jesus is calling to you in a different and unique way. Maybe today's the day where you actually just stop and let him in. And I'm going to pray that 
in just a second. And so if that's you today, I pray that you would join me. And then lastly, for those of us who've crossed the line of faith, let's embrace the demanding. Simple, but it's true. Because here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do to you today, because he's already done it to me. He's going to convict your heart of what you need to work on. No longer is the answer of, I struggle with this sin just okay. Jesus calls us to a new way. The Holy Spirit helps us get there. And that new way is a demanding way, but it's a different way. It's a better way. It's a transformative way. It goes against everything that human nature says. And we can honor that and have a different way of life because of this. Yes, the Christian way is simple. But yes, it's so, so demanding. So wherever you're at here today, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us as a staff, as a people, so that we would respond in a different way to the Jesus message. Maybe in a way like we've never responded before. Understanding how simple this is and how demanding it is at the same time. Let me pray. Father, um, first God, I want to be uh, brief and effective and quick, yet um, just having a moment with this prayer right now. God, I pray that anybody who's here who would just say yes, I need to say yes to Jesus, would pray this in their heart with me right now. Father God, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you are who you say that you are. I believe that you are the Messiah. I want to follow after you and your teaching so that someday I can be made right with God the Father. God, we know that if anybody in this room prayed that prayer today, that there's celebrations in a miraculous way going on that we don't understand. But we know that you promised that, so we believe it. Infect our hearts in this room this morning, God. And God, for those struggling this morning with something that's demanding, that they know they need to fix, they know they need to change, someone they need to reconcile with, a different way that they need to live. I pray that you'd help them to do that this morning. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts in life. May you set us on a different path to make this right in our lives. We'll be so quick to give you all the glory, Lord. We pray it today in Jesus' name. Amen.